0: The premise of the talk this morning is gonna be about what changed when Jesus came. What changed? When Jesus came. So let's go ahead and and dive right into it. And I'm only going to read one verse because I feel like this one verse right here has enough uh, content in it uh, that uh, I can just kind of just spend all of our time on it. And so it's verse 23, chapter 1 of Matthew. It reads like this. Behold a virgin, speaking of Jesus' mother Mary, behold the virgin shall be with child... And bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. God with us. Emmanuel. His name means that God is with us. He's with us. Where is God? He is with us. What is God doing? Well, He is standing right next to you. He is with us. You know, in, in our day and age, when we name our children, it's usually just our favorite name. Uh, that um, You know, my daughter is 10 years old. She's got a list of names that she's going to name her kids. She's 10. <laughs> Not happy about that whole idea, but she's 10. She's got her favorite names picked out. Uh, When we pick out names, typically it's just our favorite name. Uh, Sometimes, every once in a while, uh, we name them after somebody in our family uh, or somebody we admire. My my brother's name is Jonathan Ambrosio Mazzapica. Now, Ambrosio is Brazilian for Ambrosio. (laughs) Ambrosio. I'm not quite sure what it means, but it, it, he's named after my grandfather. I think it means father or something like that in in uh, in Portuguese. I don't know, but that's an example. He's I'm named Frankie. My my name is Frankie. My father's name is Frankie. His father's name is Frankie. His father's name is not Frankie, but <laughs> my name is is Frankie the third. But as far as the meaning of our names. In today's world, we don't really weigh that when we're considering what to name our kid. In fact, most of us, unless we've been to Hallmark and we saw that, that wheel in the middle with keychains that, that tells the meaning of our name, we have no idea what our name means. Um, but in ancient days, you named your children what they were to become, And Jesus's name uh, is exactly that, that he is God among us. Some of the names in the Bible that we need to remember is in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. This is who he is. It's not what he does. It's who he is. And so it's a mighty thing to imagine that God, who is all-powerful, is literally among us. Now, here's the billion-dollar question. Why in the world would he come out of heaven into this earth? You know, when I'm on vacation... My wife and I went to Miami a couple months ago or weeks ago, whatever it was. I didn't want to come back to Houston, much less God stepping out of heaven to step into this world. In heaven, the streets are made of gold. Do you know that there is a planet? I forgot the name of the planet, but it literally rains diamonds on that planet. Raise your hand if you know what planet that is. What is it? Neptune. Thank you, Jonathan. Don't try to take my job. I'm not good at many other things. But Neptune, it literally rains diamonds on Neptune. Look it up. It's amazing. Don't look it up right now and pretend like you're on your Bible, on your phone, and your Wikipedia and uh, (laughs) Neptune. But it, it rains diamonds. What we hold is so valuable that we will spend all of our time, energy, and effort in heaven. It's just, it's the cheapest thing around. It's just amazing, and and, and Jesus stepped out of heaven and came to be among us. Why? 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 Four reasons why. Number one is because we needed a Savior. We needed a Savior. You know, I think that there is an epidemic that we have where we forget how sinful we are. I don't mean that in a judgmental statement. I'm talking about me as well we forget how sinful we are. I was on my knees the other day asking God to forgive me for the way I've fathered my son. It's a really transparent thing, but you know, I prayed for 20 something years, actually 30 something years for a boy. I got a boy and I'm constantly, Luke, go do something. I had to say sorry for that. I had to say sorry. This is very embarrassing. It's not hard to say in the first service. It's hard to say in the second service because my wife is here. But I had to say sorry for the way I'm a husband to my wife. The Bible says to love your wife as Christ loves the church. And for about 15 minutes, I just said, God, don't love me the way I love her. Please, don't don't love me that way help me to love her better and and I need you to love me way better you know it's it's a humbling thing to remember our sins every day we should get down on our knees and say God just bring to remembrance what I need to ask forgiveness for what do I need to ask forgiveness for he came for that purpose. He came for that purpose. He came for our sins. Number two, he came for wandering hearts. He he looked into the future before one person was ever born. And he knew that people would have a tendency to have hearts that wander, hearts that roam, that they don't stay concreted to God. They kind of roam to other things. And he actually spent some time talking about this. Uh, He talked about how uh, his Message is a lot like seeds, and when it goes out, it lands on people's heart, and it does one of four things. Let let me read to you what what he said. He said um, in Luke chapter eight, verse eleven. He says, "This is the meaning of the parable: the seeds, the seed is the word of God. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message." only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. They hear it. If you ever, if you have kids, you'll identify with this. You're talking, it's like, do you hear what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, Like, I'll say, Luke, but but don't tell Luke I'm talking about He always gets mad at me. So don't go tell him I was talking about it. If you see him in the hall, your dad was talking about you. I get in trouble every time I get home. Dad, will you stop talking about me? But I'll say, Luke, lower the TV. Lower the TV. Lower the TV. (laughs) Dad, you don't have to yell at me. And and this is exactly what's happening is the word goes out and it it just doesn't land. Here's another thought. In verse 13, the seeds on the rocky soil represent those, you hear it, you receive it, you actually enjoy it, you receive it with joy, you enjoy the word of God, you like it. But there's a problem. But since they don't have deep roots... They believe it for a little while. Then they fall away when they face temptation. And so because there's no roots, I'm gonna just share with you to have roots in the presence of God that this is how I live. This is how I live. I live worshiping God. This is how I live. I'm a living sacrifice. In other words, what is appetizing to me that is not important to him, it gets sacrificed. I am grounded. It's important to me. It's important to me. This, my friends, people who do not live this way God looked ahead and he said, oh my goodness, that person's going to need a savior because they're going to be excited on Sunday and then they're going to walk out and something is going to happen and they're going to forget everything that happened. I'm going to come down and I'm going to make myself available and I'm going to live around them and I'm going to live amongst them. And even though I feel far, when they say one sentence, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I miss you. They will feel me in their spirit because I am among you. And then number four, the other possibility. I'm sorry, number three, verse 14. Some seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by cares and riches and pleasures of this life. Just, it the eternal things, the things that are going to last forever, heaven, eternity, our souls, whether we're going to go to heaven, whether our kids are going to go to heaven, whether our families are going to go to heaven. These things are so important when you hear it and you receive it. But when you get out into the real world, stress comes in. And then this, this dream of being It says, "Let me just read it. I don't want to. I, I don't want to put words there. The pleasures of this life. I want to have seventy-two vacations a year. Uh, that's what I want to do. I want to have a vacation every month. And and this is what I'm going to live for: to be able to afford to go to Hawaii every single month. I'm, I'm going to just afford to go to." the beach in Hawaii. And and then when I'm not there, I'm just going to go to a mud bath in Galveston. I'm just going (laughs) to, I'm just going to live on vacation. And then there's another group of people that whenever they receive it, they do three things. They hear it, they cling to it, and then they wait for it to produce. They hear it, They cling to it And then they're patient Waiting for it to produce They hear it They cling to it And then they're patiently waiting for it to produce They hear the word of God They hang on to the word of God And they're patient for it to produce This is what Mary did An angel showed up and said You're going to have a baby She heard it The Bible says that she pondered it in her heart And then the Bible says is that she was patient. This is is how people that grow, this is what they do. So Jesus came because we needed a savior. Number two, he came because we needed strength. See, we never need Jesus more here on earth than during the times when adversity comes knocking. You know, the thing about adversity when it comes to our life, have you ever had somebody ring your doorbell when you're not expecting anybody at your house? And what do you say? Who's that? <laughs> Who's that? It's like, how dare you knock on my door? <laughs> Who's that? It's just, it, that's how adversity comes. And adversity comes in many different ways. Can I just point out a few things? Adversity comes in trials. It comes in sorrows. For anyone here this morning, if, you're, if your heart is sad, if your heart is sad, there's a large percentage of you that you're just sad. The holiday season, uh, man, it, it, you know what's so funny about the holiday season is it's a lot of smoke and mirrors, isn't it? On the outside of our houses are, are lights and reindeer, and you can look into people's homes and you can see the Christmas tree beaming through the window. And then you go to Market Street, and there's candy canes everywhere, and there's there's horse and buggy and da-da-da-da-da. And people taking pictures with Santa Claus, and it is the one season that brings to the forefront all of the cracks in our family like no other season does like for instance my parents are divorced Allie's parents are divorced we rarely think about it rarely but during Christmas season wham! it is up front and center Grandparents on this side, grandparents on that side, blood grandparents, not blood grandparents, this da 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 It's like our family photo, our family tree is like five trees grafted together. So if you were to look at it, it's like half apple, half orange. It's like, what is going on with the Mazapikas? Don't worry about it, just keep on driving. We're having a Merry Christmas! all like smoke and mirrors and we try to make it normal and try to make it fun and it's just like is Christmas done yet because I'm already broke (laughs) it's like come on it just makes it front and center and it's adversity is what it is it's it's in adversity it's adversity The Lord looked ahead and he saw, man, you're going to need some strength. Not only do you need to be saved of your wandering heart, not only do you need to be saved of your sin, but while you're here on earth, you're going to experience so much adversity. I am going to be with you. I'm not going to be watching you from afar off. I'm not going to be looking at you with a telescope. I'm not going to be reading about you. An angel is not going to report to me about how you're doing. I am going to be with you in your Corolla I'm gonna be with you now now here's something that we could just got to hear all the way that when these things come into our life these adverse moments and it just feels like we are about to be broken I want to read a scripture to you that I hope if you are taking notes you will write down the passage because this is so encouraging to our spirit in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse eight and nine, it says, we are hard pressed on every side. That means every single part of my life right now feels like it's falling apart, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Hey, there's a few things going on, but one thing's for sure. I am not broken. Now watch this, Isaiah 41, verse 10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. He said, I am with you. I know, I know it's hard. I know you're perplexed. I know it. This is why I came. See, when you're in adversity, it's incredibly lonely. It's incredibly lonely. You know, I gotta be careful on this point right now because whenever I'm not on this stage, I'm just Frankie, right? But when I am on this stage, I I feel like I have muscles on my teeth and everybody that I look at, I just feel like I can just see the countenance of your face and it tells me the story of your life. And it's not that keen whenever I'm not on this stage. And I almost just want to just kind of use example after example to fit every countenance that I look at. But I don't have that much time. But I want to say to you, for those of you that struggle with righteousness, you're not righteous. You have a sin pattern in your life. Jesus came for that too. He said, for those of you, you hunger and you thirst for righteousness, you wish you were righteous, but you're not. He says, you will be filled. You know, he just came to everyone here that if you're fighting, but here's the key. You have to wait on the Lord. He moves at his time you have to wait that's what the bible says it says this in in isaiah 40 verse 31 but they that wait upon the lord everybody say wait upon the lord wait. i know it sounds like a curse word i know well, wait w-a-i-t i know it's a four-letter word i know i know wait is right up there with the other ones I know it's hard, but, but listen to this. If you have the audacity, if you have the gut, remember what I said last week? People have a tendency to quit too soon. If you have the steadfastness to dig your heels in the ground and say either, God, you're going to move or I'm going to drive you crazy. I'm going to talk to you every day until I'm blue in the face. You're going to answer my prayer just so I'll shut up. (laughs) Whether it's one day, two days, 100 days, I am waiting on you. And then this is what he promises. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You know what faint means? I can't go any further. I can't take this anymore. I cannot take this anymore. Those days are over. How can that be? I don't know. That's why we have to wait on God, because he does things that are beyond our imagination. Do you know there was a guy named King Saul? He got sick of waiting. He got sick of waiting. He had to fight the Philistines. The Philistines were in the valley, and they're chanting. They're yelling. They got swords and spears. Saul is waiting on the prophet Samuel to come and make a sacrifice to God, to honor God. So now he has to wait. And the Philistines are out in the valley. His own army, Saul's own army, they're getting frustrated with Saul. Let's move, let's move, let's move, let's move. No, let's wait, let's wait, let's move, let's move. So he's got pressure from both sides. He's got his enemy at the door banging. He's got his own family on him, nagging him. Finally, he got sick of waiting. Samuel said he was coming, except he was seven days too late. What if I said, hey, let's have dinner tonight. And you're sitting there tonight, Say so we're gonna meet at the Black Eyed Pea, it's five o'clock. And you've already made up your mind. You're not going to leave the black eyed pea until I show up. You stay there all night tonight. I'm still not there. I'm not there tomorrow night. I'm not there the next 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 night. What are you thinking? You got stood up. That's what you're thinking. You're not there. I'm not there the next night. I'm not there the next night. Here's the thing. Do you believe that God is standing you up? Can we just be completely honest? Do you believe that God is standing you up? That he's not going to come through for you? If you had to be completely honest, do you believe that God's not going to come through for you? You got two options. You can either wait worship and have faith worship and have faith and worship and have faith and wait 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 or you can go ahead and do this thing on your own and ignore him as if he's not even there and that's exactly what Saul did and wouldn't you know as soon as Saul finished the sacrifice the minute he was done Samuel shows up gosh and Samuel looked at him and said the Lord has picked somebody else I know waiting is terrible. I cannot stand waiting. I can talk forever about how much I hate waiting. But I just want to let you know that God's timing is perfect. It's perfect. It's perfect. It's perfect. And He will give you a peace that passes understanding in the midst of chaos. Let me see if I can illustrate this with a few friends. Um, Having peace is not easy. It's not easy to have peace, especially when you've got certain people in your life that they don't know what peace is. When you're trying to be calm, you're trying to be cool, you're trying to be collected, and you just got cuckoos around you going nuts. How do you stay peaceful in the middle of all this? How do you do that? How do you do that? I don't know, does anyone here work with people like this? Does anyone here live with people like this? You spend your time avoiding people like this. When their name comes up on your caller ID, do you panic a little bit? You want to hit decline, but you don't want to hit it too fast because they'll know. Do you know what I'm saying? So you wait 24 hours before you text them back. Are you with me? See peace is not living a life where there's peace around you peace is when you're in the middle of chaos but it stays outside of you it never gets on the inside of you and you can just remain peaceful in the midst of chaos would you give this team a a pause please number four i'm sorry number three why did he come? Because we need the spirit. You know, um, when John the Baptist, um, he was a, a man uh, in the ancient days that used to baptize people to get them ready for Jesus to come. And he looked and he saw Jesus and it just blew his mind. And as you read the scriptures, you find out that Jesus came to bapt I'm sorry, John the Baptist came to baptize people in water. You and I, we baptize in water. It's for the remission of our sins. It's an outward expression of saying, Lord, you're my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. And and when you come out of that water, you're white as snow. But there's another baptism that John talked about. He said, I baptize in water. He goes, but there's a man coming after me who's greater than me. He's so great, I'm not even worthy to take his sandals off. And when he comes, he was talking about Jesus. He's going to baptize you in spirit and with fire. Number three, why did Jesus come? So that we could have the spirit. How important is the spirit? It's incredibly important. The 11 people that followed Jesus around for three years, Jesus said, do not do anything else when I die and I go to heaven and I'm not with you anymore. Do not do anything else. Go to Jerusalem and wait on that spirit. Do not do anything else. Because without that spirit, you're in trouble. It came that we could have this spirit. And this spirit is another baptism that God gives us. And there's only two evidences. If I say prove that you have the spirit, there's only two. If I say prove that you have a driver's license, you you have the, the, uh, the authority by the state of Texas to drive your car, you would pull out your driver's license. That's proof. If I said, what proof do you have? Or if you ask yourself, how do I know? In the Bible, there's only two evidences. I've read the Bible over and over again, up and down, back and... I've read it even upside down at times and not realizing it. Um, But it was late and it only happened once. But these evidences, there's only two, either one... You receive this gift of speaking in another language that surpasses your mind. You don't even know what you're talking about it. You can read it in First Corinthians chapter 14. And when you have this language, it's like proof. And then there's another evidence. Jesus said it like this, you will be endowed with power. And so sometimes you'll have both or sometimes you'll have one or the other. Well, how do you know if you're endowed with power or not? When there's certain things that has a grip that you know they're not from God. There's sickness, and you know that's not from God. There's lust, and you know that's not from God. When your heart is cooling, the Bible says that in the last days, the love of many, your love, your love towards each other, your love towards God, it will begin to cool it also says that they'll become lovers of pleasure lovers of themselves and when somebody's in that position they're in a car that they can't stop and they're in trouble and they know it they're calm cool and collected but they know it they their soul is in trouble this is why Jesus came to pour out the spirit because to be endowed with power is when the enemy has to let go of his grip. Amen. And we pray for that using the power. Say in the, in, the, in the Bible says this, these signs shall follow those who believe. Amen. You should, people will be healed. There'll be miracles. So if there are things in your life that you know is not from God, you need the Holy Spirit. Because without the Holy Spirit, you're fighting on your own and you can't even see who you're fighting. Good luck. (laughs) But with the Spirit, he comes and does things that you can't do and I can't do on my own. And I just wanna say that there has got to be, there's got to be a remnant, especially in 2015 where nobody, where people are arguing about morals. There has to be a remnant of people that say, I refuse to live another day of my life without more of the Spirit. I'm not chasing what other people chase. I'm not chasing what other people chase. I remember the day when I stopped looking at cars that I desperately want. I remember that day. I remember exactly when it was. And I thought, even if I won the car, you know, if you fill this piece of paper out, you stick it in there, and then they change your electricity without you knowing it, and then you win. (laughs) 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 And then you, let's say I win a Ferrari. If I were to drive up to Celebration Church in a Ferrari, what would you think? (laughs) You would look at me and you go, you're the pastor of this church and you drive a cherry red Ferrari. And I go, yeah, but I filled out this thing in the mall. No, that does not match. You're a man of God and you're driving around in a Ferrari. You see, it doesn't match. There has to be a moment in your life where you begin to prioritize the things of God more than the things of this world, and it just, bam! And how does that happen? It can only happen with the Spirit of God. And it is a scary thing when it's not happening. It's a scary thing when the things of this world are so appetizing that it begins to rob you of your purpose and you no longer look, feel, and smell like a child of God. Oh, it's a scary thing. It's a scary thing. We're pleasing God. And so that's why he came. That's why he came. He came because he knew that we needed the spirit of God to be poured out upon us. That's why he came. Thank God for Christmas. Can someone say thank God for Christmas? Yeah. You know, when, when that spirit gets poured out, radical things change. Uh, I'd like you to put your eyes on the screen and I want to give you a three-minute example of how powerful it is when just the spirit of love gets poured on people who are enemies with each other, watch how powerful this is. Jenkins. I'm. Ni. My name is Jim. My name is Otto. Please to meet you, Otto. freut me. Rose, she's called. I'm shooting i that's sure. It's a true story. I don't know if you've read about that or not, but it's a true story. Right in the middle of a very intense war, it was Christmas Day. And the Holy Spirit poured his spirit down on that battlefield, and hatred turned to love. For those of you with financial troubles, with those of you with health issues, with those of you that need a new job, with those of you that have strife in your family, can I just remind you the only thing that we need. This is spirit. And there has to be somebody who's steadfast enough to say that I'm gonna worship you and I'm gonna pursue you. And I'm gonna remember that you are faithful to give good gifts to those who seek you. Point number four is relationship. Why did he come? He doesn't want to be your judge. He doesn't want to be your God. He wants to be your father. He wants to be in relationship with you. There's two gardens in the Bible that arrest my attention. There's the Garden of Eden. Where Adam and Eve had to leave that garden. They had to walk out of that garden because... The relationship with Jesus couldn't trump other desires. And then in the New Testament, there's the garden of Gethsemane. Where Jesus walked into that garden. Because nothing could trump his love with you and I. And he cried out in that garden. And the substance of his prayer was his love for you and I. Every single Saturday night at eight o'clock, I'm in that youth room and I pray for this morning's service, and it's open for anybody who wants to come. But I've been doing it now for almost three years. And last night, as I was walking back and forth praying, I felt the Lord speak to me and say, "He speaks to me fast, just like He speaks to many of you." So when I go to repeat what it said, what He Told me it takes me more words. <laughs> but I just felt him say to give those of you this morning who your relationship with him is just not right. It's just not right. It's It's just messed up. I'm not going to give examples because by doing so, I'm going to eliminate some of you by giving examples. But you you know who you are. Your life is just not right with God. It's just not right. You can just feel it right here. It's just not right. And I'm not going to give you an easy way out this morning. I'm not going to say, hey, let's everybody bow our head and close our eyes. Not today. Not today. This, this is too urgent of a matter because hearts have been not right for so long that they've become calloused with pride and ego. And the Bible says that everyone is right in their own eyes. Uh, we we got we to gotta just break that today. And so when I say everyone stand to your feet, when I say that, if I'm talking to you, if I'm talking to you and you have a desire to get right at the sacrifice of your pride and your ego, You're going to come down here and you're going to raise your hands and surrender to God. And you're going to say, I'm sorry for my sins. And you're going to walk out of this place asking the Holy Spirit to help you do whatever it takes to please him. Because pleasing you in the name of Jesus will no longer be the most important thing. From now on, you'll say, what do you want me to do? And that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to do it with all my energy because my life is not for me. My life is not for me. I am here to be a living sacrifice for you. And if you if you make it comfortable by giving me a car instead of a bicycle, or you give me a house instead of a tent, uh, that's so kind of you, and I thank you for it. But know this, that tent and that car and that house will never be more important. Well, the only thing that will ever be most important is just being a living sacrifice for you and what I want and what I like does not matter anymore if that's you I want you to come down to this altar when I ask everybody to stand up on the count of three one, two, three stand up and come down as close as you can as close as you can come down as close as you can